to the second and final episode of alopecia, my latest permanent haircut. For those of you who don't know what alopecia is, it's a genetic mutation that affects chromosome 6 on one of the N chromosomes, and it's basically where your own immune system feels that your hair follicles are outside predators and tries to get rid of them. So in terms, you lose hair on your head, all over your face, all over your body. I mean, it all depends on which type you have, but that's how it is for me, mostly. I was diagnosed with it in 8th grade when I realized I had a few bald spots on my head. And then I also kind of realized it throughout my body. I had, like, awkward bald spots on my arms. We're not really going to talk about that. (laughs) Since being diagnosed with it in 8th grade, I totally saw a huge change in my self-esteem. And... I thought there's no way I can be the only one who's going through this. So after my own personal experiences, multiple hours of research, and even an interview with a dermatologist who specializes with alopecia, aka my doctor, shout out to Dr. Crystal of course, I can conclude that there's a huge and clear connection between your hairstyle and how much you have and your self-esteem. Being diagnosed with alopecia is going to hit everyone differently including one person who is a hair specialist, Lucinda Ellery, and inside of her piece, Hair and History and Why Hair is Important to Women, she describes her time with dealing with the aftermath of getting diagnosed, and she was explaining to us her journey of how she got a deeper connection with herself through losing her hair. And she puts it beautifully that when... We're looking at hair and why it's so important to us and how it's so important to our self-esteem. She says that this is a deep personal relationship between hair and self-esteem is evident through the history, philosophy, and even religion. With this, she is saying that hair is not just something that you are putting out for the world to see, but it's also something that you've been raised with through all of your history all of your philosophy that you grew up with, with your parents, through school, through influences of your teachers, friends, and peers. And even with that, it can also be influenced with your religion. Having and dealing with alopecia after you've been diagnosed is something that not everyone gets right away, and it takes some time, for sure. And Sheila Kohler is able to talk to us about that in her piece on why is hair so important to us. She goes on by saying that when she first was diagnosed with this, that, you know, without her hair, she felt bereft of value. She felt belittled without it. And that's just something that when you're diagnosed, you have to learn to not get over it, but overcome it. And of course, when you're trying to get over something or even overcome it, you always have to learn the reason behind it and honestly what's going on with you medically. And so for this, I researched a bunch of different papers on alopecia and the relationship between physical activities and levels of depression with people who have alopecia. And this was a paper done by Ronghu, Wong, Cooper, Raj, and DJ Castle, and Jay Green. And these are all people who have taken the time to done a research paper about people who started to have depression when they were diagnosed with alopecia and decided that they wanted to do something about it. So these people conducted a experiment and saw a drastic improvement in 
you know, one's self-esteem after they started to do physical activities. But getting to know alopecia itself, I looked to see Herbert Pratt and his article that just was alopecia artrea, which is just the basic overall view of what alopecia is. And, you know, it's not exactly genetic, but there are some markers that you can have that indicate that you can get it. It's not, when I say genetic, I mean it's not something that you can pass on to someone in your family. It's just something that's random and just happens to affect people. And now with my own research, I was able to interview my doctor who has been studying this for about 15 to 20 years now. And he's been dealing with patients and he's been updating his work depending on the new treatments and cures, but no cures yet, just treatments. And I was lucky enough to actually get time to sit down and email with him. And he answered a few questions, some of them being, you know, what is like the usual treatment for people with alopecia. And oftentimes when it's people who are, you know, just going into their teens and able to handle a little bit more, Dr. Crystal always recommends that they get the cortisone shots at first, which is a set of injections that's placed every four to five weeks. And it's it can be upwards of 40 to 50 injections each time you go. So he usually recommends it for people who have a little bit of a pain tolerance, um, which luckily I did. And honestly, after that, there's something a little bit stronger that's a liquid but has a lot more side effects. But it takes a very short amount of time for your hair to grow back. But that's a preference that someone has to make on their own. Other than that, he was explaining to me that we always have to go to the doctors and like keep checking up on this because this is not something that just disappears after a year or two. This is something that is now part of your life. But for most people, it does go down after 20, 23, 25 is when he was really recommending that people can stop taking treatments for it and just let it grow out naturally because by that point, the body should stop attacking its own hair follicles. Alright, well, before I go, I just want to say special thanks for everyone who's listening, and I really hope that you learned a little bit something about what I and a couple thousands other people had to go through for the past few years. This is Rev Aronoff, signing off.